then here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort. Slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hello there, Iowa fans, and welcome to the Hawk Hawkeye Hotspot Podcast. That's what it is. I lost my train of thought there. I do a different podcast every day about and uh, lose track sometimes of which one I'm on. I should know this from looking at Scott, uh, Scott Doctor from The Athletic, which podcast is it, this is, but my brain doesn't work that way. It is Thursday, September 21st, a little after 9 a.m. Central Time. Happy Earth, Wind, and Fire Day. Happy birthday to our youngest 13th birthday to our youngest to my wife and i's youngest not scott and i's youngest not that there's anything wrong with that but i'm talking about my wife and i and our youngest is 13 so happy september 21st earth wind fire day my youngest birthday um and happy thursday to you scott we've made it to thursday it's been i don't know kind of a long week um a lot of buildup for this game we're going to talk about at Penn State, uh, CBS, 6.30 p.m. Central Time on Saturday. Scott will be making the trip. He told me before we started recording that he looks forward to this trip whenever he can make it because it's so logistically friendly, the trip to State College. Right, Scott? Yeah, it's the easiest one, if not in the Big Ten, in the nation. Um, you know, you've got uh, now – you know, there's usually three options of airports to go to. I, I am going to State College, so that's at least a positive versus Harrisburg or Pittsburgh, like other people go, where it's a couple hour drive. But you can't stay in State College unless uh, you're on a bigger bank account than I have. And uh, so I'm going to stay in like Altoona, near Altoona anyway. And uh, so can't wait for that. But no, it, it, it's the thing is, though, Rob, we know that there are, as far as environments go, game environments, a whiteout at Happy Valley at Beaver Stadium is um, it's right up there with any, I'll put it up there with anybody in the country um, as far as what the atmosphere will be like um, and how Iowa handles that atmosphere will determine uh, whether or not they'll even be in the game because um, you know, it's, it's a pretty tough opponent as it is, but the atmosphere of it swallows you up and you let it affect you. It can completely engulf you. It can, it's the same way. Yeah. And I think the good thing, if you're an Iowa backer, Iowa fan is, 
it's hard to remember a lot of cases where Iowa gets overwhelmed in these situations. It seems to handle this type of environment pretty well. That doesn't mean, I mean, history doesn't mean it's going to happen now, um, but Iowa does a good job of preparing the team for that. And, uh, you know, we've said it through the years, Iowa oftentimes relishes the underdog role and being, you know, going into an environment like that. Now you got to do it. You have, you have to feed off of that crowd that wants you to lose that, that doesn't like you, uh, that probably will, um, say some things uh to you yeah <laughs> particularly after the 2021 game where we can get into that storyline a little bit but um i kind of wrote in my preview that this it's kind of it, it's a rivalry i i wouldn't put it there with you know wisconsin minnesota nebraska but i think it's in that next tier with illinois northwestern michigan state i think it's probably in that next tier it's a, this one is the most organic of the rivalries. Yeah, I would agree um, with that. Good point. You know, you know, you've got four traveling trophies, and I would say, you know, when you get the passion of the players, um, I think this one is is good or better than you know. I, I would probably put Iowa State at the top level, and then maybe Wisconsin right behind it as far as players go and in, importance, even though. Minnesota's most historic, I think, for the fans. The hate with Nebraska is palpable. But this one on the field, um, I don't think there's been a better series for Iowa, you know, um, under the Ferentz era. Because you look back at the games they've won and the ones they've lost and the 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 individual plays and, the you know, are just really – Amazing. I mean, Saquon Barkley, you know, in 2017, and they lost by one inch, basically. If Monty Hooker was an inch taller or raised up one hand instead of two, they tip away that pass, they win that game. Or, you know, 18, Noah Fant going, you know, like this at the snap, and then there's an interception at the goal line versus two years ago, you know, versus six to four and Adrian Claiborne's block and all that stuff. So um the and it's organic because they have no reason to really have anything in common for the longest time. They were the outposts of the big 10, you know, now they're clearly not, but uh, you know, they, they're 800 miles apart. There is just, you know, other than having cows outside of town, there's really not much there, but, but they both play, you know, kind of a similar brand or they certainly did for a long time, brand of football and physical tough and, it's a really interesting series, I think, when you get down to it. And and uh, this this one has the potential to be very explosive on the field and competitive among the, the teams, you know, way into the fourth quarter. I think Kirk Ferentz's his history with Penn State and being from out there has helped build what this has become. If you look at, you know, the win out there in 2000, which mm-hmm. I covered – uh, was a was an important win for Kirk in terms of rebuilding the program, and uh, I remember here I was in that little room that they they put us in for the post game, and it's connected to the Iowa locker room. And I remember hearing that celebration in my mind. Still, it's just one of those moments that you remember through the years. And then 2002, with Iowa getting a big lead. Penn State coming back, Iowa holding on for a really important victory, obviously, that year. And then, as Scott mentioned, 04, the 6-4 game, that kind of laid the foundation for where we are now. And then you just go through the Daniel Murray kick and 
Claiborne block punt, scoop and score. All the all the memories that we've had through this series have just been really, really um entertaining. We've we've been entertained a ton by this series. And that's like what Scott said, organically makes it such a good series. I put Iowa State just kind of on a like Scott on another level and I, I I was looking in my preview more at like Big Ten schools and kind of the connections there. And if you if this was twenty years ago, the Iowa Illinois rivalry is different than it is now. It's faded for whatever reason. Northwestern's had its moments, um, but now you know without Fitzgerald, they're not as good of a program. It's just you wonder where that's going with the expansion of the Big Ten, how much they're going to play. So. It's interesting. It'll be interesting, Scott, to see what happens with this Penn State series now with Iowa having at least prior to the expansion, expand, the double expansion from the PAC to the Pac-12, how much Penn State and Iowa will actually get a chance to to play with the with the new scheduling. Right. You know, you look at you know, two more teams it would have been with just USC and UCLA at least every other year. They yeah. would have played two out of every four. So that's a really good – now it's going to be, you know, you, you think about one every two to three years. And and that's the way it's going to be with everybody outside yeah. of the, the three um, you play every year. So it, it's unfortunate, but it's just kind of a byproduct of that. I mean, you know, you talk about polar opposites in a lot of ways. You look at this series, and um, Iowa wanted – maximum protected rivalries they got three mm-hmm. um penn state didn't want didn't care about any and they got none and they kind of thrive in that unrivaled um genre you know where we're you know we don't have a rival and they love that revel in it and and it seems to work for them and uh but you know you, you could think back just about every game has some sort of element that has stuck with this uh, you know, you could go back to the 16 game where they blasted Iowa, just annihilated them, almost 600 yards. Barkley was phenomenal as always. Uh, so is Trace McSorley and just crushed Iowa. And then Barkley told, you know, my former colleague, Bobby Legess, that he felt like Iowa quit. And then the next year, that was a hallmark for Iowa when they played at night at Kinnick. And, you know, I think it was Drake Kulik wrote on his wristband, never quit. Um, and you saw one of the most epic performances in Kinnick Stadium history by Saquon Barkley and Josie Jewell and the way, you know, Akram Wadley's, you know, heroics. And then at the very, very last play of the game was when Penn State scored that touchdown. Juwan Johnson caught it from Trace McSorley. And, uh, you know, and you think back to Barkley getting hit in that game at doing his hurdle, and he's getting hit by – I think three All-Americans or, you know, the first or second team All-Americans on that play. He hurdles Josh Jackson. He gets hit by Amani Hooker and eventually tackled by Josie Jewell. And just, you know, the the free fervor, you know, with that game. And and then you go all the way up through two years ago where there are three and four in the country. And then Iowa, of course, the fans and got into the booing, which is a rallying cry for that fan base and as we know that fan base is is pretty strong so <laughs> it's gonna be a a very uh electric atmosphere and combative for the Hawkeyes we'll dive a lot more into this game just you know X's and O's and storylines and things like that but let's first just go back and and what we saw against Western Michigan the non-conference 
overview where Iowa is heading into its Big Ten play. Penn State has a Big Ten game under its belt already, beating it, winning at Illinois last week. Um, but for Iowa, uh, I would say, uh, how do I want to frame the non-conference? Typical of Iowa, where you come out of it, and and again, the schedule changes, you know, few years ago indiana was the opener so it's not like it used to be pretty cut and dry there'd be you know the non-conference games then you play the conference games that's not the case for everybody anymore but it is for iowa this is more of a traditional schedule for it and we get that those non-conference games it's wonky you don't other than you know the two teams other than iowa state you don't see a lot so you don't know what you're going to get they're throwing the kitchen sink at you all of these little uh, all of the, the different context and nuance to this, Iowa's been inconsistent on both sides of the ball, and it's now got to be consistent in this game uh, against Penn State. But, again, we'll have more time to go into that. I just think, you know, you look at the first two games, Scott, Iowa starts fast and then kind of levels off and kind of, you know, jogs to the finish line, if you will. Last week, slow start against Western Michigan, then comes on in the second half and gets some momentum going into this game. Um, positive signs we've seen, but also some concerns. Uh, I would say offensively, the passing game is not clicking, hasn't clicked. Defensively, giving up more big plays than I've seen an Iowa defense give up in, in quite some time. So to me, those are the two areas that Iowa needs to figure out moving forward. For sure. Uh, let's let's go to the defense first because sometimes it gets overlooked on this. And they gave up some big plays. The, the, the thing that I think is encouraging for Iowa is that it was uh, very correctable. Uh, I mean, when you, when you take uh, the three big plays, really, that they allowed against Western Michigan, the touchdown – that was that was a coverage based issue. Whether I couldn't quite tell were they in quarters or were they think, quarters quarter half, you know. I think it was quarters, but I, it's hard to tell. You're right. It, yeah. it, somebody, at least one person, messed up. Yeah, if not multiple people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it was it Wampa or was it Harris? Uh, PFF blamed Harris. Um, uh, Harris the other day was very secretive and I don't know if that means that it was a Wampa issue. (laughs) I couldn't tell because, well, they both blew it either way and they blew it. And, um, that's correctable. That's communication. That's, um, you know, uh, somebody who's starting their third career game or fourth career game, I guess it is in Wampa versus somebody who hadn't started in two years, (laughs) you know, and they let somebody get past them. They scored good that it happened against Western Michigan and not this week. Um, I think when you look at the, you know, the, one of the big long runs, I think it was like 43 yard run or something like that, that they gave up. That was defensive end crashing instead of containing. And, you know, even if, they got past the the containment and that was a veteran defensive end. That was Joe Evans. He usually doesn't do that. And uh, you know, now it's, it's a teachable moment. And then you look at the pass where it was really a, a well-designed play. I would say, you know, they put like the tight yeah. end in motion and then he kind of run at the, at the snap takes off, goes up the seam and you, it was a play action fake. And then you had Quinn Schulte kind of break down and then all of a sudden, oops. And then, you know, he gets past him. Again, correctable. You know, those are, that's not a problem for Iowa. I would say that where my issue with them defensively is pass rush. 
I think that's one that they've got to get better at. And, and they can say all they want. Well, they, you know, they're running quick game against them and it's true to an extent, but they got to do more than what they've been doing. They've got to be more disruptive and they got to get there a little bit more often. So uh, last year, I think they had 37 sacks. They've got three so far in three games. I like, I like that they sent Nick Jackson in that second half of that game the other day that worked with Jack Campbell too. Quite a bit. Jack was very good at that. They need. I think they may need Scott. They may need to send a guy every now and then. I know they don't like to blitz, but I think you need to keep an offense honest. Yeah, and it may be as you know some things where zone blitzing, you know, and they haven't shown a whole lot that way, which is understandable given the opponents you're facing. At least the first and third ones. You don't show a whole lot because you know it's in game four on right. and beyond. But um, so I, I think, you know, Nick Jackson, this is a traditional type game for him. And, uh, you know, he's made some mistakes in this uh, defense too. Yep. And I think they're more, again, you know, they're not as much physical, except for the pass rush part of it, as they are mental uh, making dumb mistakes that are correctable. There's and there's a little bit of adjustment too going from, you know, yeah. a mic to a will. I mean, it's not, yeah. not it's not like night and day, but there is adjustment. I, we talked about with him, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but he's figuring it out. I don't worry yeah. about him. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. In the big picture, yeah. by midseason, he'll be a seasoned vet at that yeah. position. And and Jay Higgins has exceeded my expectations. He's been outstanding. He's been just absolutely outstanding. MVP Great. of the defense, uh, MVP person, MVP player. Uh, yep. You know, they've had some good players there and he's one of them. Um, so, but the offense is where things are just weird. And, and we knew it's better than what it was last year. No question. But, you know, the passing game, you know, and the injuries are really going to be impactful. And, and I think what we saw last week was Kay McNamara getting in his own head a little bit. He was waiting too long at times. And then he was kind of indecisive. Uh, that interception at the end of the half was Oof. if he just, if he just slings it, it's a touchdown. It's there. But instead he was like looking like almost a perfect the pass. And by the time he decided the safety ran over Got to make it, that throw earlier, yeah. I, it was there. It was there. It was there. You know, you'd sling it, you got it. And that's, I'm sure he's saw it a million times this week. And Farron, Brian Ferentz, of course, let him know right away what, what happened. <laughs> yes. You know, demonstratively. Uh, exactly. And, you know, the first game, the running game was off. The last game, it's been, it was awesome. Uh, you lose your top two running backs. That hurts. You, you've got others that seem to fit the bill. How are they going to perform in a big, crazy environment like this? You know, I think it'll get to them a little bit, but I think is the, the to me, the bigger picture is how will they handle getting hit like a freight train and that's gonna happen they're you know if they're in there carrying the ball don't fumble it that to me is going to be the biggest factor in this game and And pass um, protection and pass pro um you know i think you know they were good in the first two weeks they weren't very good last week and you know can jennings dunker handle the edge i really think this is a game to show whether or not he's a guard or a tackle Mm -hmm. and you know and there's going to be – this is one of those games where, dare I say, people aren't going to like it, but there's no sin in punting. 
You know, you just gotta, you gotta play the game to win. And, and so <laughs> there's a lot, and I know I've rambled a lot, Rob, but I tell you what, it's, it's, there, there are concerns. I see them getting better. And I think the offense by week six or seven will be in pretty good shape, but I don't know how it's going to be, you know, this Saturday. Yeah. And you think about it, this is the third, we're a third way through the season after this week. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about um, kind of, you know, some of the, I won't call them excuses, but reasoning to why there hasn't been a pass, you know, a consistent pass rush because teams are, you know, quick passing and, and running, you know, quick offense on Iowa and going tempo and things like that. Well, you have to find a way to, although that's probably not going to happen as much this week with Penn state, but you need to find a way. It's kind of like a batter and a pitcher. You have to adjust to what the other is doing. Um, And I think it's similar on offense with, you know, Cade missed a lot of camp timing is off. We see that in the passing game. He doesn't look completely comfortable. It's week four now. And, you know, to his, you know, according to him, he's feeling better than he had. I don't, we haven't, didn't talk to him this week, but last week he was feeling better than he had uh, since prior to the injury in camp. This is, this is, and I think you and I both have written this, and I'm sure we're not alone. This is the, the game why this is a game where why Cade McNamara came to Iowa to play in games like these. This is why Iowa went after Cade McNamara to have him for games like these. He won this game 21 17 in 2021 as a member of Michigan. They went into uh, Beaver Stadium and got a win. He knows what he's going into, uh, where some of his teammates don't. Um, but it's time the the reasoning and excuses for not playing consistent football no longer work. Uh, this this has to be the week where every where where you play your best game, where you play your best football. Yeah, it's got to be instead of your problem, it's got to be the opponent's problem. You know, the opponent is the one forcing the issue, and they have the defense to do that. They have a, probably the most complete defense I think in the Big Ten. All three levels are outstanding, you know, and Penn State in the past has always had, as we know, linebacker U, and they've always had really good defensive linemen, and they've had decent defensive backs, but this might be the best era that they've ever had there, and, and you know, Kalen King it is as good as there is in the country, so it's going to, they're going to make plays, what you hope it's not, it's not catastrophic plays like a pick six or, you know, an interception at, at the wrong juncture, kind of red zone interception either way or uh, fumbles, that type of thing. I mean, they're going to stop you on third and five. They're going to force you to punt. They're going to, you know, get a tackle for a loss and sack, uh, you know, just they are that good. But you want to make sure it's because of them and not you because your communication isn't good. You threw a bad pass. They ran around route. All those things are out the window at this point. A third of the way through the season, you should be past that miscommunication. Uh, I didn't know who I was supposed to block. That's all out the window at this point to me. It's all about, okay, I ran a good route. I put the ball where it needed to be, but, you know, they made a play on it, and they're really good too. That you can excuse. That one's like, go ahead, you know. But, you know, some of the miscommunication issues – 
Um, that's, you know, you've had three games to work on that. That's what the non-conference is for. And, and granted, you'd prefer to be playing somebody like Northwestern or Rutgers this week, yeah. you know, and so in case that doesn't quite catch up, but yeah, I wrote that story Monday too, Rob, you know, that this is exactly the reason why you brought Cade McNamara in or for games like this and going nine and 19 the other day was disappointing. And I'm sure it was for him too. And I think he got in his head a little bit. I think he's thinking too much and uh, he's got to get out of that. You just got to go play and not having Luke Lachey is a killer for this offense because he's the best offensive player they've had. And, you know, We've seen great tight ends. Four starting NFL tight ends currently had played at Iowa. And they and there were many before that, too, that were really, really good. Lachey was playing as well or better than any of them through his first two and a half, two you know, quarter games. I mean, he was he was outstanding. And so not having that guy to match up against Abdul Carter or, you know, name the safety out there, it's going to be, a, it's going to hurt. But this is why you've also brought in Eric All. Yep. And, and Cade McNamara and Eric All connected on a 47-yard pass in less than three minutes left to beat Penn State two years ago. And Eric All is going to have to take a step forward too, because I've seen him miss some blocks that tight ends at Iowa don't miss. You know, even reserve tight ends at Iowa don't miss. He's got to hit those. And and uh, so we'll see what happens. Maybe he maybe now that kind of sometimes getting thrust into that position will elevate you, make you feel like, OK, I got to I got to step forward. But and maybe Eric all does that as well. Yeah, they they uh, they being the Hawkeyes, I think, ran four tight ends on the tight, the late touchdown after. Was it Moulton's yeah. second touchdown, I think? Yeah. It was one of his touchdowns yeah. in the second half, but right. Iowa went big on that as well. So that's a good side. No doubt, concur with Scott. I mean, Luke Lachey, I feel horrible for him. Such a good kid and uh, really was, as Scott said, trending towards, you know, a tremendous season and, um, you know, a lot of NFL draft talk, all that stuff, and feel horrible for him. And hopefully he gets better quickly and uh recovers fully and all that good stuff um the the good news is that Iowa does have depth at that position but it is a big drop off and I think it's similar to uh running back um you know you still have LaShawn Williams LaShawn Williams and uh you know the two freshmen but losing you know two of your other we, we, you and I were two of the, uh, you know, driving the hype train for Caleb Johnson come into this season. I thought I, I, he had, he's had some rough moments early in the season, but still a really, really good runner that you knew would probably get things corrected and will get things corrected. And then Jazz Patterson really showed us what he had against Iowa State. Those, I mean, those are three big weapons to be without this week, Scott. Exactly. Those are your, you know, your top, your most talented running backs and your best player on offense. And, and that's just really, that's really tough for an offense that's still, you know, that wasn't obviously was terrible last year and hasn't been real consistent yet. And you remove those three, that is really difficult for this team. And, and so going forward, you're going to, you know, what, what do you have to offer that can compete against, you know, one of the best defenses in the country. And I think LaShawn Williams is a really good player. I, I would not put him in the same 
athletic category as the other two. But I also think he's, he shows a lot of heart and toughness. And that, that could be the evener you need when you go to Happy Valley because you're going to need that kind of element. You're going to need somebody that's you know, that's grew up rough and and had some tough adversity in life and, and kind of has a chip on his shoulder and, Hey, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to ball against these guys. And because if he goes out and has a really good game against Penn state, he may leave the other two behind him. He may be the starter. So he's got that opportunity. Now the young freshman, you know, Kamari Moulton uh, had a really great, uh, a really fantastic debut. I thought, um, can he handle this? Is this, this, this could be pretty big. It's different going in the second half against Western Michigan versus <laughs> 107,000 people chanting seven nation army and, and zombie nation and yeah. <laughs> white pom-poms and, and, uh, and plus that defense, you know, that that's really the, the hallmark. I mean, you've got, you know, I don't want to count, but my guess is probably eight starters will be in the NFL. I mean, they're, they're legit and it's like going against his own defense in some respects. So, uh, hold on the ball. You know, that's, that's the one thing I'll say is, you, you know, it's going to, it'd suck to get stopped short at third and one, but it'd suck more if you fumble on third and one. So just make sure ball security. And that's kind of what L- uh, Liddell Beth said yesterday that he'll like point to like his arm, you know, when, <laughs> you know, yeah. to, to make sure, you know, hold on to that ball. I get a feel, Scott, I don't know if you agree, that we're going to see a lot of Williams. I think the freshmen get, may get sprinkled in, but I think this is LeSean's game uh, to shine. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think one player will probably see – we might see more uh, than the second running back is Max White. Yeah. You know, because when yeah, you get we got, it – we got on this road. Yeah. Right. The, the drama last week. I'm sorry. Yeah. When I that, and it sucks that that kid's name now is connected to that bullshit. But yeah, whatever. right. Yeah, yeah. Screw everybody for that. You know what? <laughs> Walk on kid scores a touchdown with 30 seconds left. Good. You know he deserved it. Fourth down. Hey. You know his grandfather played for the Hawkeyes. He played for the Ironman. But but you know pertaining to this game in third and seven. And you need to give LaShawn a blow. Who do you have? Who do you think can pick up the blitz a little bit better? Who do you think can block? You know, I mean, he's, he's bigger. He's more physical. He's been in the system a little more. You probably have a little more trust in Max White picking up the, the blitzing linebacker than you do Kamari or, or Terrell, you know, and no, that's no offense to them. They, they probably are more talented and maybe in the future, it's, it's just another, you know, they're, they're great players, but you know, at this point against this team, you feel like, okay, Max White can probably step up and hit a linebacker and at least stall him. And whereas Kamari Moulton at set listed at 185, but I'm seeing, I'm seeing point guard, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'd be a little worried if I was Cade saying, okay, you know, I've got to, you know, shuffle, shuffle, you know, deep drop here on this one. Hey. Did the non-conference performance change your view of this team preseason? That's a great question. I don't because I thought about this through my. I asked myself this question when I was writing my preview last night. I'm like, do I feel differently about? Do I feel better, worse, same? It's hard because it, again, it was an uneven non-conference there were times where you're like yeah this is what I thought was going to be really good and then other times like 
I think Cade's inaccuracy to me so far has been a, a, a surprise on the on the downside. But as you said, Jay Higgins has been great, yeah. and I was worried about that coming into the season. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the thing. I thought I'd say the negatives for me, the or at least the the areas of that have a little bit more concern than I expected were one, pass rush. I thought pass rush would be better, and two, I thought Cade would be a little more accurate. Now. I'm probably not as down on him, even though I, you know, looking at the other day, there there was one pass where he launched it and they had an open receiver and I just kind of turned, I hate to say it this way, but I said that was kind of Petrus-esque, you know, it was just, it was a sideline pass, it was way over his head and I'm like, what are you doing? Um, and I do think that, you know, he, I think some of his mistakes though are just settle down, just uh-huh. get in there, you're all right. Um Running game, I figured it would take some time, and I think they – but they've actually – you know, when I looked at the first week, I went, oh, no, here you go again. And then I rewatched it, and I thought, oh, they're correctable mistakes. And then week two against Iowa State, which has a really good defense, not a good offense, but really good defense. I'm like, okay, you know, they've uh, – they're making strides. And then last week it was really good, so I think that they look better than what I expected. I would like to see more out of the wide receivers. And that's kind of collective. It's not just them. It's not just Cade. It's not just Brian. It's, it's everybody. And, and I think this is a game that they have to do that. And they're playing against, again, one of the best, probably the best secondary they'll face all year, even better than Iowa State. But they have to make sure that they get open and they make plays. If it's third and eight, don't drop the ball, you know, catch it. You know, and if you're Cade, deliver it, not only in a chance for them to catch it, but maybe do something with it. Uh, so, I think they're that's God, that's a great question. I think they're slightly behind where I expected them to be, but they're still on the same trajectory where I think they can end up. That's good. That's a good way to frame it, I think. I'm kind of in the boat with you, whereas although I've been surprised by Cade not being as accurate, I also in my mind, I'm thinking how much time he missed in camp and how long he was out, you know, last year in the spring and all that. So kind of giving him a mulligan there. Now, if it starts to go into the next couple of weeks, then it becomes more of a concern. And with and same with you, the wide receivers, we see flashes here from, you know, Seth Anderson or Deontay Vines or Nico or uh, Caleb Brown. They've all had kind of moments where you're like, okay, it's start. we're starting to see it. And it just isn't inconsistent. It's been inconsistent. So, but that's, that's Iowa football really early in the season for most seasons that you have to work out the kinks. There's development that goes on. Can you see kind of the picture coming together? And I think Scott can see it. I can see it. And this week is certainly going to tell a lot of that story that kind of brings into focus. Okay. This is one of the nation's top teams. How does this Iowa team match up? But even then, Scott, and we'll, again, we'll we'll dive in more to Penn State here after we take a break. This whatever happens this week doesn't define this season. No question, and that's that's going to be really hard to 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 mention to people as we get going because they live and die with the results. And if even if this is, goes poorly. It doesn't really mean anything. It means they just go back to work. and, and well, You they, talked about 2016, that disaster, and then what happened the next week? Right, and they beat the number two team in the country who was even better, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, better defense for sure. And so 
I tell you what, I, you know, I mean, let's say there, I could see a million scenarios playing out here. I could see 34 to 10, they lose, you know, and I could see James Franklin, you know, with 30 seconds left, sticking it in the knife in and twisting it at the end. And, um, <laughs> you know, and, but if that happens, you know, in the big picture, this, this will not be conveyed for a whole week, probably a whole next month, but in the big picture, so what? You know, they come back, they play Michigan State, they beat Michigan State, they beat Purdue, they then it's you go play Wisconsin and Minnesota, and you beat and if you beat them, you are exactly where you want to be. Yep. You know, win the West. I mean, I don't think anybody looks at this team and says they're gonna win the national title. But I think a developmental program like Iowa, with the trajectory it has, if you can see them getting better week by week by week by week, then you start to put a the mosaic together on each tile and you're like okay i can see it coming together and i can see that coming together injuries are the wild card though Mm -hmm. because when i look at luke lachey i'm thinking damn 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 that is a huge piece lost the running backs you know one or two of them one of them will be back probably for michigan state maybe both of them by purdue and and they'll be okay in the long pick in a big picture but um but the if they can continue to progress, damn the result. Now, you know, okay, social media is not going to like it, but big deal, you know. And if they win, then they have to guard against the other side, which probably is more detrimental to this team, which is if they do win, then they got to guard against, okay, now we're going to get everybody's best shot, and they've got to kind of tamp things down and be more mentally sharp because then you're going to get – Michigan state coming right at you and you're, you're going to see, you're not going to see your, your flaws as clearly as you would if you as if you lose. Perspective. It's yeah. important perspective and context, all, both are very <laughs> important and often ignored, but what Mostly. can you do yeah. <laughs> in this, uh, the landscape that we live on through social media and what have you, but, uh, time for a break, Scott. Support for the podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at sui.org. That is sui.org, Systems Unlimited. Great work in the community for over 50 years. We thank them for that and their support of the podcast. Let's hear from a few more folks that support the podcast. And then Scott and I will be back on the other side to dive in a little bit more from what to expect from Penn State. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483. 400-4483. Hi, this is AJ Perez, managing partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Waukee and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. 
Do you need a great electrical contractor or fire and water restoration specialist? Well, contact Lance Bolin at LB Electric and LJ Construction in North Liberty. Lance has served the corridor for many years and is ready to help you. Call Lance Bolin at 319-640-1116. That's 319-640-1116. Or visit LJ underscore construction on Instagram for licensed and insured electrical work, fire and water restoration, and remodeling. Hey, hey, we made it back on the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast. Thank you to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. Scott, uh, let's see here. Let's dive in a little bit on Penn State. Um, I had some numbers here for folks. Uh, get us ready here. Um, let's see, what did I have here? Uh, there, there's a uh, algorithm, a formula I looked up last night that has strength of schedule. Um so far, according to this algorithm, Iowa's strength of schedule is 67th among 133 FBS programs. Nittany Lions are 55. So not a lot of difference there in terms of who they've played so far. Um, if you look at Penn State on defense, it is ranked uh, 33rd nationally in rushing defense, 3.1 yards per game, and 11th in passing efficiency defense. Iowa is 40th against the run, three and a half yards a carry, 17th against the pass. So sets up like a defensive battle, Scott. But I would say um, the quarterback comparison is an interesting one because you have a guy who's experienced, experienced playing here, as we said, and then a young gun who has got a lot of hype and has lived up to it to date. But this is the toughest defense he'll face so far. No question. And that's the, I think it's a really interesting potential past the torch game. I mean, if Drew Aller, Drew Aller has a chance if he plays well in this game to become the next, you know, hype guy in the Big Ten at quarterback, you know, probably passing the mantle from finally somebody outside of Ohio State, you know, know, right? CJ Stroud. But, uh, you know, uh, but last week was not a great week for him. And it wasn't a great week for the receivers. I think the receivers, um, are not as maybe as good as you think they are. Um, when you look at, uh, he was 16 of 33 against Illinois and this Illinois defense, uh, they may have the best player, defensive player in the big 10 and Johnny Newton. He's, he's awesome. You know, the defensive lineman, but yep. the rest of the unit, I mean, they lost three unit. outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I got you. I'm glad it's not Michigan State, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, they, uh, when you, uh, you know, that they lost three outstanding defensive backs from, you know, they're in the NFL and they're really, really good. So I think Illinois is, is a good competitive defense and they were able to, to do what they needed to do to win. They forced a lot of turnovers too. And uh, that was not his best game, but I don't think, the numbers are fair to him. I rewatched it a couple of times and, and thought, you know, and he made some passes that make you go, okay, this guy's got it. And you've got to be careful of that and cognizant of that, that, you know, going can't let your, their receivers get down the field on you or you're going to be, you know, in dangerous territory. But when you start to, it's easy to get kind of this runaway train of, wow, this team's so good. And this team's so great, but you know, is, is this, then this running back condom, running back com, combination. Oh my God. Brilliant slip there. Yeah. Combination is not, 
like what we saw. Uh, I mean, Allen and, and Singleton are very, very good. They're probably NFL running backs, but are they better than Barkley and um, Sanders? No. Uh, there's no KJ Hamler out there. There's no Jahan Dotson out there. There's no Pat Fryermuth out there. Theo Johnson, Iowa wanted. And I would argue that Theo Johnson is a poster child for why he needed to go to Iowa. He had the talent and he's not as good as he should have been. And, you know, I, I'm honestly, I'll, I'll look at, you know, compare him with Luke Lachey and Luke Lachey was at a lower starting point, but potential much better, much more full service tight end than Leo Johnson. And then their offensive line, it was as good, but not as good as it should be. I think their left tackles outstanding. Yeah, he's, a, you know, he's a man. Yeah. And he'll be a top five, top 10 pick in the draft, but you know, and their quarterback is full of potential and he may be as good as they've got, but, you know, and I don't think he's like Christian Hackenberg, you know, it was like, Oh, this guy's great. And then all of a sudden he's like, eh, he's not so great. So I look at this offense that and one, I think that one hurts. Yeah. That <laughs> reference hurts as a Jets fan. Yeah. Oh, I know. They really, <laughs> they really sold out for him. They went full scale potential on that. So, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, I was played better Penn State offenses and held them down and competed and, and they could do the same here. And, and when you look at, you know, in the past, you know, they, you know, I, I look at like the, the 17 game and when you're seeing Barkley do what he did and Pat Fryermuth, I think was out there and, and, you know, or is it Gusecki? I can't remember. They were really good tight ends. Uh, I'm sure Clifford or McSorley, you know, they had some dudes and I don't think this offense is quite there, but Aller has that potential to be more than just a, a guy who gets a late round draft pick. I mean, he's got elite potential and this is his game to show it against a much better defense that, you know, Illinois had man coverage. Iowa will have, uh, you know, quarters for the most part, quarter, quarter, half, and they'll, They've got elite defensive backs who will be in the league. And if they, if he, if they, if he tries to throw the ball like a, a man route, there's going to be a, a ball going the other way. And if it's number three, it's going for six. Iowa was one of the first offers for Drew Aller. And I looked in my contacts. And if you look at the top <laughs> name there, yeah, I can't give you his number, but it's in my phone. So. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, interviewed him and a uh, nice kid and uh, would have been nice for him to be in Iowa City, but I certainly understand him choosing Penn State. And I'm with you. I think, you know, McSorley and Clifford were gamers. Those guys were just that they kind of like Cade. I, I think those two are, are in that similar mode, whereas Aller's in that, you know, if he can hit his ceiling, he, that's that's yeah. big time. He's got yeah. those type of tools that put him at a at another level, as Scott said, and uh, two really good running backs as well. Um, can Penn State run against Iowa? Because if Penn State can run the ball against Iowa with those two guys, then that's going to make Aller that much more efficient. If they can, if Iowa can hold up against the run and Aller gets impatient, this is usually when Iowa has them right where they want them. If the quarterback gets impatient and tries to force things, that's when I and and you can see that with young quarterbacks. Yes, absolutely. Against a, a defense that's that plays almost exclusively zone, you know, except for on the goal line, um, and 
you know, he's trying, he's trying, he's trying, he's trying to find that opening and he's getting impatient and he doesn't want to dink and dunk and take the ball up the field. Clifford was good about that. He yep. was able to do that. And he was a pretty good athlete. I think he's a, I think Aller's a, uh, Aller's got athletic ability like Trevor Lawrence, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I you know, agree. That's a good comp. A really good athlete, but I think Clifford was a little bit more of a, you know, he was tough dude. I mean, McSorley I, uh, the same. Yeah. McSorley could run, you know, he yep. was, he was really good. Um, he can handle that RPO game better than just about anybody I've seen. I just think that, uh, you know, if, if he's trying to find that opening, you know, and he sees them, he, what he thinks is a man route and then the safety's there, that's when Iowa gets them. And then, you know, the, the one thing about having a passionate fan base and Iowa has the same problem at home is that you make a couple of mistakes, then they come back at you you know, boo and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think that's something that they, that they've got to be careful about because if he throws an interception now, what Penn state needs to do is Iowa's defense usually suffers right out of the gate against a good script Mm -hmm. because people know what they got. They go after it's round two, it's round three. It's, it's when Iowa can, you know, almost like, I don't want to mix my analogies here, but it's like with a, a pitcher, and you're going against a pitcher who's got his great stuff right off the bat, it's really hard to, to slow it down. And then you get a second crack at him or a third crack at him and you kind of slow it down. You just got to make sure don't give up a touchdown on the first drive. You know, don't let them go up the field on you easily. You know, if they go get a field goal, you'll survive. But um, anyway, yeah, I like Aller a lot though. I think he's his potential. Um, it, it's untapped, but you know, and this, this could be a statement game for him. You know, if you look at it the other way, that he goes out and beats a good Iowa defense that's been among the best in the country. And I still think is probably pretty good. Then he could put a statement and in a year where we don't really have a Heisman candidate. If he goes out and plays outstanding football, it puts him in that conversation. And then they've got some really epic games coming up on their schedule too. Yeah. And if Penn state gets a, Impressive win here and plays well against Iowa's defense with how Ohio State and Michigan have performed to date. And Michigan hasn't played anybody. No, they're um, terrible. You start the Penn State's, you start to hear more of Penn State maybe being the favorite in the East. I think we're starting to get there a little bit now, but I think a win here against the top 25 Iowa team. If you can look, if they, if the Lions look good on offense, then that discussion. Starts to happen. This reminds me a little bit of Iowa and Michigan last year, where different scenario was at Kinnick Stadium, but a younger quarterback, mm-hmm. um, McCarthy, I thought handled it really well. He took he what Iowa's defense gave him. If Aller can do that, it's going to be tough for Iowa, but that's a big if. Guys get impatient. They they don't want to dink and dunk, as Scott said. They try to take their shots down the field and they play right into Iowa's hands. If Iowa, I, I think from Iowa's perspective, Scott, there needs to be some deception to do some things that Penn State isn't expecting. I don't think you can just go in there and maybe you can just out execute the other team, but I also think you need to find ways to put your players, particularly on offense in position to make some big plays. You think back to the Nico Regani catch a few years, plays like that. And when they're there, you got to connect because there's not going to be a ton of them. Right. 
that's that's the biggest point there, Rob, is when you look on offense, you know, you you can play conservative. And also block Abdul Carter. Find yeah. out where he is. He's number yeah. 11. Yeah, right. <laughs> Keep him around. Ch- Pork Chop Robinson, you know. They're, they're, you know, make sure you know where Kalen King is at every snap yeah. and, and really only throw there if somebody re- is open. <laughs> that type of thing. If he falls down. Yeah, if he falls down. <laughs> um, don't overthrow anybody. Um, yeah, but, you know, I mean, that that's perfect spot that you look at, like, the Iowa State game, and there was a couple of overthrows that – yeah. If they were connected, that would have been – those would have been major plays in the game. You cannot miss on this this team. You've got to make sure that you hit those big plays. Um, and it, it could be, you know, maybe you've got a flea flicker in your in your uh, pocket. The things that Iowa like, – like Iowa State game, let's, let's look at it that way. When they were up, what was it, 10 to nothing early in the second quarter, and Iowa State punted, they were like at their own 15 or so to start a drive, and they're in 22 personnel, two tight ends, fullback, running back, one wide receiver. And I think I looked at Tom Caker, and I said, this is when you go play action deep on them because you're in a running formation. They're all bunched up. They expect you to run, play fake, hit your receiver deep or hit the the tight end in the seam. Mm-hmm. Instead, what they do, they ran with, with uh, Johnson and he got a five-yard loss. Those are the plays that you've got to be cognizant of. And, and I'm not saying if it's third and 17 after a holding call and everybody's, you know, doing zombie nation and stuff that you just don't just say, let's run a draw and punt. That's fine. Live, live another down, but make them, don't don't give them any tendencies. You know, go against your tendencies a little bit, and that seems to Definitely be on those early downs. Yeah, pass on first down, run on third and seven once in a while, and, and you know, and that's the thing is, it's an instantaneous reaction that fans will have. Oh, what a terrible call! You know, <laughs> it's like it's a big it's a big game. You know, I, I look at the Mississippi State game. I always go back to that game when I'm like, there was no way they were going to run on that team, not with yeah. Jeffrey Simmons and. Jonathan Abram and uh, Sweat, and yet they had to keep doing it, at least showing it. So then what you could do is you suck them down long enough to you can play fake and go over the top. And that's what you kind of have to do here. And they've shown in the past against Penn State that they're willing to do stuff like that. You know, remember the the fake punt in 18, you yep. know, and and uh, it was there and, you know, the over the and then the the play where it was like fourth and one at midfield, and T.J. Hawkinson was so wide open. I mean, you could have punted the ball to him, <laughs> and Stanley overthrew him. You know, he had a horrible game, probably his worst game as quarterback. And you, you just think about that stuff, and and those are the plays you got to connect on. You, you can't miss, and come at the king, you can't miss, right? <laughs> Yeah, make the make. We hear those cliches: make the makeables, control what you can control. That's really the base starting point for Iowa this week, right, Scott? They have to limit mistakes, and and when plays are available, when you make the right call, you you have a play offensively that is available. You got to make it. You can't. There just aren't going to be. It's silly to think against the defense is that good that you're going to have 60 minutes of opportunities. You're going to have a few here and there, yeah. and you really have to 
you have to cash in or it's yeah. going to make it that much more difficult to pull off this upset. And I, I think last I looked, what, 14 and a half? We'll get to our picks here in a second. Uh-huh. But I think a couple touchdown favorites, so that lets you know kind of – and the number's gone up a little bit too. So as the I was watching, I think Joe Fart – Fart and ball. Fart, fart, fart. Boy, we're all over the place today. <laughs> I said fart. <laughs> That's not his name. Fartin. Fartenberg? Fart, what's the guy's name for ESPN? The, the gambling guy, Joe Fortenberg? I think yeah, it's Fortenberg. It's not Fartenberg. It's Fortenberg. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about a lot of sharp money. Big money came in early this week on Penn State. So Iowa is clearly – it's not even debatable, a heavy underdog here. And I think I saw, um, I looked on Action Network last night, like 90% of the bets are coming in on Penn State. There's really not, Iowa does not, is not getting much of a chance here. Again, if you like the underdog role, if you're Iowa piping in noise during practice this week, trying to replicate what they're going to see at Beaver Stadium, you got to play clean football. Yeah. They, they've always relished being in this role, you know, and Ferris has been really good in adverse situations. And this is an opponent that gets his blood going. So you've got to, he's going to enjoy this moment, I think, but you've got to play, you got to match it. You got to play clean football. And I think there's a lot to Penn state being, um, you know, being that good. I think they are that good. And And when you look at the big picture, Rob, this is a really important game for them because they've got Michigan and Penn State, or Ohio State on the, on the agenda too, and Maryland. You know, which is, is which? With are they at Michigan and or Penn um, or Ohio? I know they they're, they're at, at the, they're at Ohio State and okay, they got Michigan yeah. at home. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's still it's it's going to be tough. I mean, last year I think Michigan ran for like four hundred yards on them. So you're going to have they are. They're, the stakes are higher for for Penn State. They've yeah. got to win this game. And when you look at their non-conference schedule versus Iowa's, and I mean, well, you know, theirs isn't complete because they did play Illinois last week. I, I would say that the opponents have been somewhat comparable. Um, Penn State's have been a little bit better and a little bit worse, if you want to say that. I mean, I think West Virginia and Iowa State are – comparable in different ways. Um, you know, I think Iowa State has a better defense. West Virginia probably have better offense. Um, similar type teams. You know, I think Delaware is terrible, and they blew them out like they should. And then Illinois, um, yeah, they're probably a little bit better than anybody Iowa's played, but I wouldn't say that they're a, a team that you got to be too worried about today. I mean, maybe in the later in the year, but, you know, so – I think this is a really interesting matchup because I think they both kind of have the same type of background three games in. It's just Penn State, as always, has elite athletes. And if you play it even, you're going to win. But it's supposed to be rainy. It's supposed to be cold. And if Iowa can drag them into the mud and Iowa can play ferrets ball, punt, punt, stop, you know, and then, again, just kind of force them to make a mistake and take advantage of it, it may take three and a half quarters to do it, but if you can do that, you know, then they could be in position to to steal this game and steal their soul while you're at it. I was asked this question. I did an exchange with Mark. I think it's Wogenrich from uh, Penn State, the Sports Illustrated site, Penn State. We did a, a question exchange this week, 
And he asked me what my sense was from the Iowa side, how it views what happened in 2021, the injury gate and uh, those that follow Iowa football know what I'm talking about. So we don't need to, to go down that road and the fans booing and things like that. How much that's a factor for Iowa. And then I asked the same question of Mark. He seems to think that it's something Penn State is kind of rallying around. It um, is. I, I don't get that sense as much from Iowa, no. uh, but Iowa does a better job of keeping that stuff behind the locker room walls and not letting it out for us to see. But I still say I still sense that this is more a Penn State thing than it is an Iowa thing. Clearly it is, and I can understand it. Um, I mean, if you think about it, they lost a couple of players for a significant amount of time. I mean, what was it? It was Mustafer, Sam or PJ? I think it was PJ. Defensive tackle out for the season, and he's getting booed. Uh, You know, Sean Clifford leaves the game. I don't think he got booed. But, you know, those are things that stick with you. I mean, can you imagine if the Luke Lachey injury happened this week and he's getting booed? That'll stick with your fans, your injuries. They're booing you. That's kind of, you know, you're going to feel like that's classless. There were a couple of situations, though, I thought that Penn State – took dives on the field, you know, that they flopped a little bit and, and uh, you know, which is weird because I really wasn't going tempo. It was just kind of a, uh, but, and I that's can understand. A, that's a known strategy, Scott. You got to yeah. stop Iowa's offensive tempo. Yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> one play of it, you know, that'd be funny if they, I could see them, I, you know, and Franklin is a vindictive sort. And I could see him doing things to just rub it in their face. You know, if he gets the opportunity, like, like I said, 30 seconds left and he's on the one yard line and they're up by 17 points. I could see him, you know, instead of calling a timeout, have one of his players drop and then come off the field and then go in and score a touchdown just to, just to, throw a middle finger in the air type of thing. I could see that. And it is a not, it is a massive rallying cry there. It's I've, I've heard it from our Penn state writer, you know, that I, I did a Q and a type thing with today and it's, is that Audrey? Yeah, it's Audrey Snyder. So yeah, it, they have been talking about this for years. And, and one of the people she wanted to find the, the, there's like an Iowa fan who's like a meme, you know, he's like, Oh, yeah. you know, and he has become like the poster child out there. That they, has that been already found that guy? Uh, uh, I've, you know, no, <laughs> people won't give him a, give him up. But, yeah. You know, which is probably for the best for him, but yeah, damn, it, it's not a, this isn't just a, I'll oh, just let it go thing. No, there's no let it go with them. They are mad. And there's, so there, there, I think, but even before that, there's, I don't think James Franklin and uh, Kirk Ferentz were on each other's holiday card list, so to speak. They just, and I think, again, this series has just kind of brought that out organically, which, which is okay. Yeah. And, um, Sometimes we focus, I think, too much on, you know, the extra stuff, the window yeah. dressing, the Max White scoring a late touchdown and, the you know, the outrage over that. And then you've got, you know, um, it just seems like the drama overshadows the actual games more and more these days. And I don't want to get on my soapbox, but um, this is too good of a game. This is too good of a matchup to get 
um, too wrapped up in the the injury gate. At least for me, if you want to partake in that, go ahead, fans out there. I just to me, I'm I, I'm excited to see this these two teams match up. Yeah, I, I, I was honest then. Maybe it was a contrary opinion locally. I, I feel the same way now. I don't like it. I don't like the booing. Yeah, you know, if somebody just kind of falls and then gets up, then yeah, I can understand some jeering and stuff like that. But but when players went down, I wanted I'd rather them fans wait <laughs> before yeah. they, they express themselves negatively like that. Because again, when they lose, they lost a pivotal play player in PJ Mustafer. He was really good for them and a defensive tackle. And they went really south after that game because Clifford wasn't able to play, you know, because Jack Campbell knocked him out and, and just stuff like that. And you're you know, I think they lost to Illinois, I want to say, in that nine overtime mm-hmm. two-point fest. And um, so, you know, that I didn't like that part of it. And they're going to use that. And it probably will be even in the future, fans will use that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm with you where I like I like the talking about the game once in a while and and the matchups and the and how this could work and how this might not work. And I think we're there with this. And and it's always interesting between these two teams. I think styles make fights, as they say in boxing. And I think the same way here. It's kind of that booing where we're we're not booing Iowa's court. We're not booing Spencer Petrus. We're booing the coaches. Well, yeah. how are you going to differentiate? And like, we're not booing Mustafer getting hurt. We're booing some guy who's faking it. Well, you're booing everybody. Yeah. So there's no, you know, you're you're not separating you're not calling out the rat as Kirk said. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're, you're also being really insensitive to a kid that lost the rest of his season. So yeah. yeah. And, and we'll see how this manifests itself, Scott. Sometimes when you're motivated by revenge, it backfires on you. So it really, to me, it's really comes down to who has the game plan, best game plan on Saturday and who executes it. I don't think, looking back at what happened in 2021 is going to decide who wins this game. No, it's always for the fans and more than the players, because as we know, once you get into the game, it's about who has, who executes their plan, who plays better, who, you know, once you get smacked really hard on the field and you will, and they all will, then it, then it comes back to, to earth about doing what you need to do to win executing. It's for the fans. The fans are the ones, and we always get kind of wrapped up in this emotion of games sometimes from the fan perspective, like, oh, they can't, there's no way they're going to lose to these guys, you know, like old Northwestern games, you know, yeah. like they beat them last year and uh, ended the nine and O streak. And then they go to Evanston and still find a way to lose or, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and that's the thing here with the fans that they can be as wrapped up as they want and they can turn the atmosphere to the point where it if impacts Iowa's performance if Iowa allows it to. Now, Iowa conversely can flip that. We saw that in Ames a little bit, Rob, where it was once they took control of the game early, that place was quiet. That place, they, you know, and especially when it was 17-0, it was like, yeah, here we go. They're done. You know? yeah. And now, now they put themselves back in position to compete, but, but that's what Iowa needs to do is execute, play well, play punt ball, you know, don't give up the big play force everything there. And if it's a competitive game and it's a, within a field goal at halftime, you're right where you need to be. And, 
you know, they just have to make sure to do it because, and then playing a team like Penn state is the biggest factor of all. No doubt. Muck it up, make it ugly. I think that's Iowa's path to victory and limit mistakes. Can't make a lot of mistakes against a team that's good on the road and expect to win, have to play good football. It's hard to see a path to victory for Iowa if it doesn't play its best game of the season. So, all right, Scott, let's turn to our picks. Um, before we get out of here, and uh, as you referenced before we started recording, um, I had a good week and you did not, which is really weird. <laughs> awesome. I mean, talk about an awesome week. You were 10 and 3. I was 8 wow. and 5. So we Take are. It to the bank. Yeah, we are now tied at 22 and 16. We're making so, money for people. Yeah. I mean, really, when you think about it, it's easy to go, oh, I can't believe I'm, you know, I missed that pick. But, but frankly, when you, uh, when you're above 500 going against the spread, that's I'll pretty take good. It. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. Now that we've, now that we've, uh, <laughs> talked ourselves up, we're sure to crash this week. So, yeah, I think they get it. Uh, yeah, lightly. Yeah. When you start to get in Big Ten play, that's yeah. when things get a little, you know, when the spreads change a little bit, yeah. but, um, you know, like the first one, this is a Friday night game. Um, I, I hope I can watch at least a little bit of it by the time I get to happy Valley, but Wisconsin minus six and a half at Purdue. Yeah. I saw this one last night. I don't like this game at all. Um, I don't have a feel for either one of these teams. I don't think Purdue is very good. Um but I don't think Wisconsin is either. I am going to – I think Wisconsin's the better team, but night game on the road, I'm going to take the points because I okay. think it's probably a closer game. I think Wisconsin wins, but I'll take the six and a half. Okay. I'm going to go the other direction, but I don't know that you – know, I, I don't have a feel for Wisconsin either. I don't know if they're going to be, hey, this is the one game where they – they break out and they look like looked apart, or is this going to be just a continuation of this um, junk ball? Because last week took them a long time to break out against Georgia Southern, and uh, you know, of course, they lost at Wazoo, and um, you know, that should be overhaul on offense. It's going to take some time. Yeah, and I just wonder if they're going to have it click, click in in a few weeks or when the black and gold heads north. We'll see. Yeah, this will yeah. be a good indication, though. Yeah, and at some point, you just wonder when, you know, will Luke Fickle go to Phil Longo, their offensive coordinator, who's more of an air raid guy, and say, we've got we've got Braylon Allen, man. We're going to have to do something here. You know, we've got these still 340-pound linemen. <laughs> Let's yeah. do something with these guys or, or we're going to continue to lose these. I think this week is probably that litmus test week that if they don't play well, then maybe they do make that alteration but uh big noon kickoff on big 10 network though Rutgers undefeated Rutgers at undefeated Michigan minus 24 Harbaugh's first game back for the the mighty Wolverines they've been a real gambling disappointment I would say um, without Harbaugh I think all three games they failed to cover and they had huge spreads but they played terrible teams and so um I <laughs> They fooled me three weeks in a row. I'm going to go with Rutgers and give me the 24 points. Is it 24 or 24 and a half? Straight 24? Uh, I wrote it down as 24. Okay. So I saw it 24 and a half the other oh. day, but it must have come down a little bit. That well, I, I wrote it like I wrote it like in Monday. So okay. It, it, okay. 
And I will, uh, I'll take the 24. I think Rutgers is pretty good defensively and we'll, it, it, Michigan will win the game, but I think Rutgers can stay within that, that number. Yeah. Yeah. It could be 24 to seven. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that where they're competing. Uh, Florida Atlantic at Illinois, Illinois minus 14. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, Illinois is just such a, it's, are they back to being Illinois or are they going to rebound? I have, uh, I, you know, and I always pick wrong. It seems with this, this team, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go Florida Atlantic. I think that I think Illinois wins, but I just don't, I don't like this team right now. I just don't like watching them. No, they're a mess offensively. I watched that first half against uh, Penn State, and they just just awful offensively. Having said that, I'll throw the 14 points and take Illinois. All right. <laughs> Maryland minus seven at Michigan State. Um, that's uh, the NBC game. I Yeah, NBC. That's a Saturday night? No, that's um, – or afternoon because it goes into the they've got a big game so oh, they've got the notre dame right yeah okay. yeah i'm gonna go with maryland and i'm gonna throw the points even though um uh, it, it'll be fascinating to see if uh d'antonio and harlan bennett could put it together a scheme to kind of slow down maryland's offense but i don't think they will um so i'm gonna go with the the terps i'm with you throw the seven i think michigan state stinks yeah Louisiana Tech at Nebraska, Nebraska minus 20. Um, are the Huskers back? Um, uh, good defensively. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes on this game anyway. I'm going to take the Corn Huskers and throw the 20. I'm with you. Okay. Akron, not to be confused with Akron, <laughs> at in, <laughs> Indiana. Minus 16, I'm going to take the Hoosiers. I will agree. Akron is not a very good team. All right, here we get into let's, – let's go with uh, one of the Big Ten games here. Minnesota minus 12 at Northwestern. And this one's got some interest to me. I mean, I think that's a really high number. And I, and I don't think – it's a high number, and I could just see Minnesota either blowing them out or it's – close and nip and tuck. And I'm going to go with the latter. I'm going to go with the, give me uh, the Wildcats and 12. Who is this again? Minnesota minus 12 at Northwestern. I'll take the Gophers. Mm. All right. Yeah. It's either going to be like 34 to nothing, or it's going to be like 27, 24, one way or the other, but. Big 10 West. Soak it up while you can. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. All right. One of the two marquee games of the week. The Ohio State University minus three and a half on the road at the mighty Fighting Irish from Notre Dame, and I am going to, uh, I am going to take Irish eyes are smiling. I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to take the three and a half, and I'm going to take the Irish to upset the Ohio State University. Yeah, I like that more, probably more than I should have, so I won't bet actual money on it. But I really like Notre Dame plus three and a half. Okay. All right, finally, the 14-and-a-half number, Iowa at Penn State Saturday night. I can see a lot of scenarios playing out, which is kind of like what happens every year on why I screw up in the NCAA tournament brackets because I can always see the 5-12 and 12 matchup going either way, and it usually does, but it usually goes the wrong way. Uh, but in this case, 14-and-a-half is a high number against the Hawkeyes. Um, I think Iowa can 
stay in the game. I don't know about win. So I'm going to give me Iowa in 14 and a half. I'm going to take the Hawks in the 14 and a half too. I, uh, in my preview, I've got Penn State winning this game 24 to 13. So okay. 11 points. So, um, I don't think it's a blowout. And if it is a blowout, I, I think that's not good news for Iowa. Cause I think if, if one of these teams is going to win by a blowout, it'll be, it'll be Penn State. But I think, I think this is a, a game that goes into the fourth quarter. And, uh, I've tried this week, Scott, to find it in me to, to pick an upset here, but this is, I think far and away, Iowa's hardest game this year. And, uh, you know, if it can win this one, sky's yeah. the limit. But I just don't don't I I just think Iowa's got to play really really well, and Penn State's got to be off a little bit. And I just I can't in good conscience conscience pick the team that you know is the underdog in this spot. Yeah, I'm there with you. Uh, I'm 23 16. Um, Penn State. I think Iowa will compete. I don't know. You know, I, I'm trying to rationalize what scenario can I see Iowa winning? And it's usually pulling them down to their level and pl- fighting in the mud. And, you know, and when I do start to go, well, there's just no way they can win, then that's when I start to think, well, again, offensively, are they better than they were with Barkley or Jahan Dotson or Pat Fryermuth or, you know, no, they're not. They've got potential. I think Singleton's a really good player. I think Allen's a really good running back. I think Aller could be their best quarterback in a long time, you know, maybe a Kerry Collins eventually. Not now, not today, but, um, you know, to me, if Iowa had a better pass rush, maybe I'd see it, you know, and maybe they do, and I just don't know it, but I haven't seen it yet. So I'm not going to go with Iowa yet. I think Iowa can compete. And I think if Iowa can compete, I think it can provide a, a, a learning, teachable experience for the Hawkeyes that, hey, we went in the best environment, the Big Ten, the toughest environment. We, we threw down and we played well. We didn't win, but we learned a lot about ourselves. Let's lick our wounds. Let's get back to work. And there's no reason why that they can't beat everybody else on the rest of their schedule and end up in Indianapolis and maybe play them again. But uh, at this point, I haven't seen enough consistency for Iowa on either side of the ball to make me think that they can beat one of the top 10 teams in the country. Really looking forward to this one and finding out. I, I think the, the best part of this is just finding out more about Iowa and how, how Iowa um, has been able to, you know, clean things up if it can for a game like this, because it's going to have to play clean football, as we said throughout this podcast. All right, folks, thank you for listening to the Hawkeye Hotspot Podcast. We appreciate that. We appreciate the support from our sponsors as well. Enjoy the game this weekend. Scott and I will be back on the Hotspot next Thursday, 9 a.m., to talk to you again, and we'll review this Penn State game and look forward to Kinnick under the lights against Michigan State a week from Saturday. Until then, have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you then. Say goodbye, Scott. Goodbye, Scott.